I'm going to read the Bible for us now. Um, So reading from Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 to 30. This is what it says. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you, Nima. My name's Sam. If you haven't met me before, I'm one of the pastors here at Hallam Bible Church. And we're going to be, we've been looking at this idea of hope over the last four weeks. And this week, uh, we're finishing up this series and we're going to be looking into this idea of hope for a break. Do you need a break? Normally, when we think about having a rest or having a break, we kind of think, oh, I just want a break from work. I just want, I just love a week off. I, I want a month off. I'd love a long weekend. That's what you've all got this weekend, right? A long weekend. But here's the thing that was really surprising to me, and I don't know why it was that surprising, but it was very surprising to me when I had kids that a break is not really a break when you have small children in the house. In the same way that it was when we didn't have kids. When you don't have kids, you just kind of, you're on holidays, you get up whenever you want to get up. You, you leave the house whenever you want to leave the house. You, 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 you get up and you, and, you, and you go and do whatever it is that you want to do. You t- talk to your spouse and you say, what do you want to do today? And, and you do that thing. But not when you have kids. As soon as a little child enters into the, your world, all of a sudden, that little thing dictates your holiday. That little thing is now, okay, well, you can do it. You can do this there now for this two-hour window, and then you've got to go home and take the baby to have a sleep, and, and then you can have another little hour and a half, maybe, if it feeds well, uh, on the back end of that, and all of a sudden, your holidays are dictated to you by your children. And now, as my kids are growing up, uh, Every morning on holidays, we, we, we're holiday and basically the same spot every time we go on holidays. My mum and dad have a place uh, that we can use, which is really wonderful, but there's essentially no curtains, right? And so the kids are up at 6 a.m. every single morning. So I'm up 6 a.m. every single morning, putting on the TV, feeding them, making sure they've got breakfast, making sure Prue can actually have a little bit of a sleep in. But there's, you know, by the time I get back, I need a break from my break, and I've got it easy, right? Sometimes I look at my friends who are single parents and, and I think, well, how do, you, how do you even do that? How do you function as a person in that lifestyle? Going to work, dropping your kids at daycare, picking them up from daycare, feeding them, bathing them, entertaining them, all on your own. There's no break. Even when you're horrendously sick, you can't just lie in bed and do nothing. You have to parent. You have to get up and look after himself. Single parents, I think, deserve a medal. If you're sitting with someone who's a single parent tonight, give them a, give them a, a, a medal at the end of uh, church this afternoon. Or maybe uh, you're working and studying, or maybe your husband or your wife 
is working and studying. Maybe they're doing a 12-hour shift at the hospital, straight into studying for the exam. That's, that's a great life to live, isn't it? Uh, and, and then you have to go to Tamworth for three years and, and potentially two years in Sydney. And all you really want to do is you just want to stay put here in Newcastle, but you've got to go and you just think, I wish I could have a break from this medical lifestyle. Or maybe you just want a break from your headspace. Maybe things are constantly fuzzy in your head and you, you just find it really difficult to kind of get up and get going in the morning and, and the things that you used to enjoy, you no longer enjoy and you're filled with anxiety that you know is not rational in any way, shape or form, but you just cannot switch it off. Or maybe you need a break from health complications. You're tired of your weeks filling up, your calendar weeks filling up with doctor's appointments and scripts that you have to fill and you just think, man... It would be really good to be healthy just for a few months or maybe even a whole year. That would be amazing. Or maybe you just want to break from change. Normally, I love change. Up until 2020, I would have said, I love change. I'm an agent for change. But 2020 wore me out. And this is the thing I realized about me and change. I like change when it's on my terms, not when it's on COVID's terms or other people's terms. And so you constantly were having to adapt to the new norm, weren't you? Can I sing? Do I wear a face mask? How many people am I allowed at home? There was one point where you were allowed five people into your house, but as a family, we couldn't go to anyone else's house because there's six of us. So we were unwanted guests. We were not able to go to anybody else's house during that period of time. Or maybe, maybe you actually walked in here tonight, this afternoon, and you felt fine. And now you're thinking, you're right, Sam, I do need a break. I need a rest. As a society, I don't think we're great at rest. We've actually flipped the idea of rest on its head, I think. And so what we tend to do these days is we work for the weekend and then we jam as much as we possibly can into that weekend just so that we can, we can feel like we achieved something or did something on the weekend and, and all that work in the lead-up to the weekend wasn't a waste. And so we do renos and we, we have 25 kids' birthday parties on Saturday and Sunday. We do kids' sports, cold early mornings at the soccer field or you spend an inordinate amount of time watching someone play cricket, which is the most boring thing you could possibly do on your Saturday. We have four barbecues or brunches with various people and we achieve all of our fitness goals in those two days. And we do it without thinking about, well, what is the purpose of this day off? What is the purpose of rest? And then we go back to work for the rest we wish we had on the weekend. And we do this, I think, mostly because we have FOMO, severe FOMO. We don't want to miss out on anything. And we certainly don't want to miss our kids to actually miss out on anything. And so we want to be seen, or maybe it's just we want to be seen to be living a life that is full and vibrant, something that you can put on Instagram or, or Facebook, and so that you can be seen to be enjoying yourself. But that's tiring, isn't it? And I think actually what we think will bring us rest, what, what we think will bring us satisfaction and fulfilment doesn't actually. But our response to that is, when it doesn't bring rest, what we tend to do is we, we tend to work harder and harder and harder at doing those particular things in order to find the rest that we didn't find in them in the first place. 
Now, the good news is this is not just a 21st century problem. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it talks, there's a guy called Solomon, and he, he talks about pursuing a life that is filled with satisfaction and, 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 and uh, a life that feels like he has, has fulfillment. And he really, ha- he really does have everything at his fingertips, right? He has money, he has women, he has servants to do his work for him. He has wealth, prosperity. He can basically do anything he could ever want to do. And yet, he is burdened and weighed down. So this is what it says in Ecclesiastes 2. He says, I, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. And this is the constant refrain all the way through the book of Ecclesiastes. He's weighed down, he's burdened by this idea of purpose and meaning and fulfillment. And, and he can't find it. He can't find his rest. He can't find it in his labor, in his wisdom, in his partying. He's constantly burdened by this question. Where is my purpose and satisfaction going to come from? And we experience this too. That's why holidays, while they're good, long service leave, while it's great, we don't actually get the rest we're looking for. That's why a change in our circumstances, a new job, a different role, maybe with less responsibility and a bit more time, it it might work for a little while, but it doesn't actually bring us the kind of rest we were hoping that it would. Because our restlessness is actually deeper than sickness or busyness or workaholism or anything else in this life. So let's look at what Jesus actually offers us. Keep your Bibles open in Matthew chapter 11. We're going to be there for the rest of this evening. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 says this. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, that's a wonderful promise, isn't it? Come to me, and I will give you rest. But we have to work hard at understanding exactly what he's saying here, because he's not kind of talking resort-style rest. He's not talking about kicking back in the pool or, 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 or brunching in linen shirts and tortoiseshell sunglasses. You've all got that friend, right? Or just faffing about on the couch, whatever it is that you think rest might be. Notice the type of rest he's offering us here. In verse 29, he actually calls it rest for your souls. He's talking about soul rest. And when he talks about rest for our souls, he's thinking, well, he's thinking about the world to come, but also today, rest in the present. So he's speaking to these people who are weary, who have, who have struggled in life, who, people who are burdened and weighed down by the things of this world, people who, who just want to break. And he says, I can give you rest. Future rest in the world to come, 
but also present rest, rest for our souls. Now, we're going to unpack those couple of ideas a little bit later, but, but the first thing I want us to see here is that this kind of rest that Jesus is actually offering, it cannot be found in religion. One of the things he says is, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, the yoke was, it was a wooden collar that ran across the, the shoulders of a, of a pair of oxen that enabled them to jointly kind of pull enormous amounts of weight as they ploughed fields and so on. And so what Jesus is saying here is, is put on my yoke. Put that wooden thing across your shoulders. And that sounds like work, doesn't it? But one of the things he's doing here is he's actually comparing life with him to a life of religion. He's claiming that his yoke is easy and light, which is exactly the opposite of what the Pharisees had, had on offer. The religious leaders offered up this. Have a look in Matthew chapter 23. Jesus says to the, to the crowds and the disciples at this point, he says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Right To follow the Pharisees is to, is to be weighed down and to be, and to be burdened by their rules and regulations. They, they'd actually forgotten the intention behind, behind the Old Testament law. And they'd added all of these other laws, all these other rules and regulations to the Old Testament law. And it was impossible to keep. Don't touch, don't eat, don't do this, don't do that. They had forgotten the heart of the law, which was all about loving God and loving one another. And, and this is the same for all religions, right? Religion is about what we can do to achieve salvation. It doesn't matter what religion you pick. You can pick any religion. Guaranteed, apart from Christianity, it is all about what you can do in order to be okay with God. Now, maybe that's actually what you think Christianity is all about. Perhaps your church background or your unchurched background uh, has made you think that the Bible is actually just a bunch of rules and regulations that we need to keep in the hope that we might win some favour with God. Maybe, maybe you think you'll be okay so long as you try hard to be the best person you can be. But can I say there's no rest in that. In fact, you'll be left restless and wondering, have I done enough? Have I jumped the bar that is required to be in the right with God or to get into heaven or whatever it, whatever it is that you're pursuing? So there's no rest in religion and there's no rest in self-help books either. As you wander into a bookstore and you pick up a self-help book off the shelf, you'll find a whole bunch of great tips to help you navigate uh, the things of this world. Some of those books are, are terrible, some of them are wonderful, are giving you skills for the rest of your life. But the thing you won't find is rest. You'll just find more things to do. So imagine, right, you, you walk into the bookshop and you've got this big problem of just feeling restless and tired and, and burdened. What books would you expect to find? I didn't have time to go down to the local bookstore and so what I did is I just searched this on Amazon. I, I searched tiredness on, on, on Amazon.com and it turns out there is actually a lot of books on thyroid issues. 
So perhaps you need to go and get your thyroid checked out, I'm not sure. Uh, and so that wasn't exactly what I was looking for. And so I, I did a very quick search on Google and I met one guy on the internet and he said he could completely change my life. And he said, fatigue doesn't need to be a thing for you anymore. This is what he said. He says, if you truly want to make a change, it all starts with adopting a mindset of wholeheartedness and being present in the moment. You see, our realities are never as harsh as we think they are. Is that right? If we choose to have compassion for others and believe that the universe is benevolent and kind, our outlook and, view, and how we view our circumstances will completely change. See what he's saying? The yoke of the world, it's all about you and what you can do to be present and believe that the world is benevolent and kind despite the evidence. And this is what the world sells us. And this yoke, it's heavy and burdensome, friends. And it won't give you rest for your souls. You see this in people, don't you? People working furiously around us to find peace in themselves, but never attaining it. What Jesus says here is actually revolutionary. He says, rest is found in him. Rest for our souls. Rest that cannot be achieved through religion. Rest that cannot be achieved through self-help books. The rest is found in Jesus. Have a look what he says there in verse 28. He says, come to me. Right? Not to the self-help guru, not to religion, not even to church. Come to me, he says. Now, how does he actually provide us with this rest? Well, as we said before, he, he gives us rest, future rest, actually through his death and his resurrection. Right? So through his death and his resurrection, he brings us salvation that will be fully and finally realized in the future when Jesus returns. And it will be a future where there is no more restlessness. There will be no more pain or crying or mourning or sickness or tiredness or, or relationship issues or frustration with ourselves. None of those things will be present. And most importantly, God will be present. That's the key ingredient of heaven. God will be present. In the book of Revelation, uh, God says to us, I will be their God and they will be my people. Full and final rest in the presence of God without the worries and turmoils of this life. He's offering us here, friends, life beyond this world that is full and satisfying and eternal and uninterrupted. And that is the ultimate rest. That is the rest that we are actually longing for in Jesus. The day when Jesus returns and gives us eternal rest with our Father. But I think if all we do is talk about rest as hope, a hope that's not yet realised, we actually miss out on something of what Jesus is saying here. We miss out on what it means to have rest now in the daily grind of life. And I've got to say, I think that this is actually something that I have neglected in my Christian life. As I've read the Psalms this week and read some of the old hymns that have been written on this subject, my, my feeling has been that they are actually onto something here that I probably don't cultivate enough in my own Christian life. 
Rest in Jesus in the present. Have a look what David cries out in Psalm 62. In Psalm 62, he, he, he talks about all this trouble and hardship that he's facing and then he cries out to God and he says, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Do you, see, do you see what he's saying there? He's saying, yeah, rest is ultimately found in our future salvation, but our future salvation actually provides us with rest for our souls in the here and now, rest for our souls in the present. Our future rest gives us rest now. And especially when we look at who it is who's giving us this rest. When we come to Jesus... Have a look who we're coming to to find rest for our souls. Two things stand out in this passage about Jesus. The first one is that he's the one who is in charge of all things. Have a look there in verse 27. He says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Sorry, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Right, So all things have been given to Jesus. He's all-powerful. He's our rock. He's our strength. There is actually nothing that is outside of his control. And so we can depend on him just like a little child can depend on their parents. That's what Jesus calls us to do here, to depend on him like a little child depends on their parents. Yesterday, uh, we went down to Blacksmith's Beach, and on the way back to the car, the sand was horrendously hot. And so I was with our little two-year-old, Nora, and, and, and she's in that frame of mind at the moment where she's two, and she's a little misindependent. She does what she wants to do on her terms all the time. And, uh, and, and so that's what we were doing. We are walking up the beach on her terms, super slowly, me carrying everything else as we go. And all of a sudden, her independence vanished when she hit the hot sand. And she was like, Daddy. Right? She, altered, she depended on me to carry her for the rest of the way up the beach. And that is what Jesus wants us to grasp when he, when he talks about rest, finding rest in him. It's knowing that we can lean on him in his strength. It's knowing that, that, that he'll be there for us during our times of trouble. It's the knowledge that despite what we're facing, he is. He is our rock and our refuge. See, the big picture of power is a picture of comfort. Especially when you see the other side of Jesus' character. In verse 29, have a look there. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. This is the one who is all-powerful, right? All things have been given to him, and he chooses to be humble. Well, he is humble. That's, that's his nature. And he, in his humility, he actually enters into humanity. He humbles himself, and he puts on humanity, and he bears the scorn and the shame and the ridicule of the cross. And he dies finally as a criminal, even though he'd done nothing wrong, to bring us rest to bring us peace with God. Not just here, 
and now, not just for today, but for eternity. And so the person we're coming to is gentle and humble and at the same time all-powerful. He's where we find rest for ourselves. Now, this doesn't actually mean that we, we won't face trouble or hardship or weariness or, or burdens or sickness or frailties. It doesn't actually mean that we won't find life difficult. But it means that no matter what, our soul can rest in the knowledge of our salvation. Our soul can rest knowing that we are safe with Jesus. I was, I was trying to work out how to explain this, and I remembered a, a YouTube commentary, documentary, I should say, that I was watching on the tsunami that hit Thailand some years ago. Uh, it was a devastating documentary, and it, the tsunami that hit actually devastated the place. But the interesting thing about this documentary was they interviewed some people who were uh, deep-sea scuba diving offshore when the tsunami hit. And the thing that they reported is they could feel the effects of the tsunami. They could feel the water kind of pulling them back and forth, and they, they had no idea what was going on at that point. So they could feel the effects of the tsunami, but, but it didn't have the same devastating effect that it had on the shore. And that is like life with Jesus. You, you still feel all of the emotions of life. It's not that you're unmoved by hardship or trouble. But when that tsunami comes, it doesn't destroy you. Because you can rest in the knowledge of your salvation. You can rest in the person of Jesus. And I wonder whether we need to bring back the language of rest into our vocabulary. Because this is a wonderful message, right? What a wonderful message to a busy and bothered world. You can find rest in Jesus. There's an old hymn that some of the MAG team introduced to me this week. And the language of the hymn captures exactly, I, I think, what we're talking about here. Here's some of the lyrics. I think we're going to sing it a bit later. You might know this song, but this was new to me. It goes, Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. In you I rest, in you I found my hope, in you I trust, you never let me go. I place my life within your hands alone. Be still, my soul. We can have rest in Jesus. But here's the thing. Rest in God is only found when we put on the yoke of Jesus. Have a look what he says in verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Now that sounds really weird, doesn't it? Put on this yoke, this instrument of labor, and I will give you rest, he says. Now, I think in the context, his yoke is his teaching. It's sitting under the lordship of Jesus and listening to what he says and paying attention to him. And he's saying, if you want rest, 
then here is the work that I need you to do, I want you to do. Put on my yoke. Put on my teaching. Let me be in charge of you. And you will find rest. Now that's kind of scary, isn't it? What it requires is us to go all in with Jesus. If you want to be able to drop in at a skate bowl, you need to go all in. You need to do what feels completely counterintuitive. Now, I only know this from experience, from the times that I've tried to drop in on a skate bowl and everything has gone horrendously badly for me. Um, but when you do it, right, when you, when you stand on the edge of a skate bowl and you're about to drop in, is there anyone who can actually do this? James Goff in the room, he can actually do this. Anyone else can actually do this? Yes, we've got one, fella, one young fellow down here who can actually drop in on a skate bowl. But this, this is what you need to do. You need to kind of throw all of your weight over your front foot. And your brain tells you, as you're standing on the edge of the skate bowl, it says, if you do that, you will go splat. And so everything inside you wants you to lean back. And that's exactly what I did. And I went, splat. Right? When you're on the edge of the skate bowl, if you, if you want to get to the bottom of the bowl and not kill yourself, and, and you want things to not go badly for you, you have to go all in. And that is the same with Jesus, right? If you want rest, you won't find it in being half-hearted. You have to actually do what feels a little bit counterintuitive. You have to put on Jesus' yoke and you have to listen to him and learn from him. And at times that's going to be costly. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. Sometimes you're not going to want to listen to his teaching at all. Following Jesus may actually bring you hardship or trouble in your life. But friends, what Jesus is saying here is this. If you go all in, if you put on the yoke of Jesus you will find rest in him. And the reason is, is his yoke is not like the yoke of religion. It doesn't weigh you down and burden you and crush you under its weight with all of its rules and regulations and expectations. It doesn't crush you under the, the weight of trying to keep up appearances in this world. But his yoke is easy and light because Jesus is there beside you bearing the load. And in fact, Jesus has actually lifted the heaviest load that we could carry he has lifted our guilt in, of our sin off our shoulders by dying in our place for us. And so he says, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Now for some of you, that will mean that you need to actually step into a relationship with God for the very first time. It may mean that you, you actually need to ask God for forgiveness and be willing to jump in under the yoke of Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment or two that, that will actually lean towards that direction, will help you to do that. But if you're not ready for that yet, then that's okay. What we'd love you to do is just keep coming back, keep asking questions, and we'd love you to sign up for our Life Series, which you'll hear a little bit more about uh, in a moment or two. But essentially, the Life Series is all about exploring what it is that Jesus has done for us. All the details for that you can actually find in your, uh, your online outline. But for others of us, I wonder whether this is something we need to keep dwelling on. I wonder whether you need to ask yourself that question. In my experience of Jesus, is that one of rest? Do I lean on him? 
Do I see him as my rock, my strength, my refuge? Because it's very easy to depend on ourselves, yeah? Can I urge you to let Jesus take that load? Now, I know that this is something that I need to grow in. And so I want to encourage you to do something this week. Why not try and sit down this week and just write down your top five burdens? Now, for some of you, you'll go, well, five seems like a lot, right? Okay, maybe just go back to three or something like that. But for others of you, you'll be like, only five? Are you serious? Only five? I've got like 75 burdens that I could list off. But whatever they are, just, just do five. Or if that's too many, do three. Write them down. Share them with a friend or your spouse. And work hard at giving those things to God. Ask Jesus to help you to find rest in those things in 2021. Well, we're going to pray in a moment. And uh, the prayer should come up on the screen there. And what I'd love you to do, particularly if you're thinking about stepping into a relationship with God for the very first time, is just to look over those words and see what it is that we will be praying. It's fairly simple prayer. It says, God, you know that we're restless in this world and that we try to fix our restlessness ourselves. Help us to find our rest in Jesus. Thanks that he died for us and has already carried the great burden of sin. Help me to rest now, knowing that our future is secure in Christ. Help us to have rest now, knowing that Jesus' yoke is easy and light. If that's a prayer you want to pray, whether you're here for the first time or you come here every week, I think it's a great prayer for us all to pray. So would you join me? God, you know that we are restless in this world and that we try to fix our restlessness ourselves. Help us to find our rest in Jesus. Thanks that he died for us and has already carried the great burden of our sin. Please let me rest now, knowing that our future is secure in Jesus. Help us to have rest now, knowing that Jesus' yoke is easy and light. In his name we pray. Amen.